0: it is really good to see you thankfully uh... you guys made it here and this will be if you've been praying with us this month if you didn't get a, a prayer guide for january last week there's a few extras in the lobby you can take one with you when you leave but uh... today one of the things we prayed for on monday is we're praying for people who we saw during the service on Sunday and people who weren't here. So this Monday, tomorrow, you will have a great opportunity to think in your mind, who didn't I see because of the snow today? And that'll be a reminder to pray. Uh, We have all been praying because the word to our church for 2019 is everyone. And one of the things that everyone can do is pray. Yes, amen. I got three prayers in the room and a couple on this side. Every one of us can pray, and we're excited in January about praying together because we're believing that God can do amazing things when we are in unity together and we begin to pray. So the word for this year was everyone, and one of the things that everyone deals with, speaking of everyone, and that's what we're going to start talking about today, is everyone has to deal with money at some point. There, there is something about money that affects our everyday lives. It's on our mind. We think about it. Uh, so today we're starting a new series called Making Change, and we're going to talk about managing our relationship with money and figuring out how that works and, and seeing what we need to do to be in alignment with what God wants us to do with our money. And as, as I talk about managing our relationship with money, some of you may be sitting in the room this morning thinking, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have a relationship because I don't have any money. Uh, did anybody else think of that? I saw, I saw a new term, maybe you've used this to describe yourself, but I saw a new term this week called millionaire. I'm not a billionaire, I'm not a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. That means I have little or no money. Is it, maybe that's something that people are going to start describing themselves with. If somebody says, how much money do you have? You can say, I've got millions. I, I don't think that that's what God wants for us. Uh, I think uh, he has a little bit more than that, but he wants whatever amount he wants to give us, okay? So I'm not, I'm not preaching just to have loads of money for the sake of having loads of money. When God prospers us, he does it so that we can be a blessing to others and build a kingdom. So uh, I've met some people that say they're millionaires, or maybe you made some New Year's resolutions last week, and uh, you've gotten to this point where you're saying the only exercise I've done this month is... Running out of money. Has, has anybody ever said that one? Maybe you've used that phrase. Uh, another one that I saw this week that I thought was kind of funny that I've heard people say it, it says, money won't solve all my problems, but money will solve my money problems. <laughs> How many of you know that's not true? More, more money won't necessarily solve your money problems. In, in fact, I've, I've met a lot of people and I've examined my own life. I don't think uh, I've met a lot of people that have an, an income problem. Most of us have spending problems. Okay, I got one person that resonates with that. The, the, the issue really often is not how much money is coming in, it's how much is going out. And uh, Jesus even had some things to say about this, that, that money won't solve your money problems. When he was talking to his disciples in Luke 16, uh, he actually said this about the amount of money and the things that we have and the stuff that we're stewards over. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little... Can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Maybe you know that money, the amount of money we have, does not change our character. I got, I got one right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show for some amens this morning. Since we're, we're here in this room together talking about money, it's going to make me feel better that you're with me. Uh, I know a lot of places don't like to talk about money. They get uncomfortable. But Jesus talked about it all the time. So it's okay for us to talk about it. How many of you know that the amount of money you have doesn't change your character? Uh, in, in fact, if anything, it probably amplifies it. If you're stingy when you have just a little bit of money, you know what you're going to be when you have a lot you are going to be stingy. You're going to hoard it together and, and keep it for yourself. And Jesus recognized that, and he says, hey, if you've, what, how you act with the little amount of money you have determines how you're going to act when you have a lot of it. I think, I think there's some of us in the room this morning, and maybe myself in that category, we might need to wait to ask God for more money until we figure out how to be good stewards over what he's given us right now. I've, I've met a lot of people. How many... I know people, you probably know people, that's their constant prayer. Lord, I need a breakthrough. I need a financial miracle. I need more money. And maybe there's some of us that sometimes we need to wait to pray that prayer till we've been good stewards over the amount that's coming through our hands right now. Oh, that's an exciting point to make, Pastor Chris. Thank you for saying that to us this morning. Uh, During this series, we're going to talk about handling money in a godly way. How does he want us to interact with it? Where does our relationship with money need to be tweaked? Where are we doing something that we've got a little out of order and we need to ask God to help us? And I'm telling you, we we already received the offering this morning. So I'm not doing this sermon (laughs) to get something from you. I want something for you. That's, that's why we're talking about this. I want, what I want for you is to see God move in your finances. I want to see us be free from worry and stress about money in our lives. I want us to be experiencing the blessing of being generous in our lives. That's why we're talking about money in church. Not because I'm trying to bang the drum and get you to give more. We're not going to get the ushers to get the plates back out at the end of service and take another offering thought i'd get at least one amen on that yes no more offerings i tell this story every year we did a joint service one time with some other pastors from around town and we were planning the service and one of the pastors says well i i say that there we should only have one offering at the service and i was kind of a younger pastor i looked at him and i'm like i didn't know there was another way like <laughs> tell me more how does that work and uh, he came from a culture where they, they would go in the back room and count the money and come out and say, hey, it wasn't enough to cover the expenses this week. We're going to pass the plates again. Or, or they would take the offering and, and they would do things like, hey, we're, we're going to have the, the regular offering, then we're going to have a special offering, then we're going to have this other offering. And I, I had no idea that that was even an option. I think we ought to just, we ought to just come ready to give, and when the plates go by, we're, we're going to give and do what God has moved in our hearts to do that day. So there will not be another surprise offering at the end of this week's sermon. Maybe next week I'll do that. That'll be. Oh. So I want something for us rather than something from us. And come on, money is something that we think about every day. Money is listed as one of the top three reasons that people have marriage problems and get divorced. Uh, it's, it's just something that causes issues in our lives if we don't manage our relationship with money well. Money always makes the top ten list of things that people stress and worry about. In fact, money is one of the items, but several of the other items on the stress list are related to money. How am I going to pay my rent? Where do I live? What am I going to wear? All those things are on there, but they somehow relate to money, and we think about it all the time. In fact, the only people I've met that don't seem to worry about money at all are kids. How many of you can remember back that far when you had no money worries because you were a kid, and it's just like, you go to the store, Dad, can we buy that? I've I watched Heather and Daniel, they go to the store and, and Eli and Leo are like, can we buy that? Like, just pay for it. Like, just come on, you, you got the, the card or the cash, you, just, you walk up and that person lets you take it. Kids are the only ones that don't even think or worry about money. Maybe Jesus really was on to something when he told us we need to be childlike. So we think about it all the time, we worry about it, and money really has a very real spiritual dynamic in our lives. It represents our heart, our trust, where where we're putting our confidence. It represents our faith sometimes. It represents our priorities in our lives. The things that we spend money on are the things that are important to us. Come on, I don't care what we write on a list. When we sit down and make a list, say, these are our priorities in life. If those priorities that we wrote on the list don't match what you're spending your money on, those aren't your real priorities. Ouch, ouch, ouch. I'm, I'm preaching to myself just as much as everybody else in this room right now. We, we need to line up with what our priorities really are. That's where our money needs to go. And uh, in fact, the next verse in Luke, we read Luke 16, 10, verse 11, tells us that how we handle our relationship with money actually determines how we handle our relationship with God and the depth of revelation that we get of who he is in our lives. In Luke 16 and 11, uh, Jesus continued on and said to them, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And obviously, the true riches that he was talking there are the secrets of his kingdom and his love and the gospel and all those things that are spiritual riches that come into our lives. And he said there is an aspect of receiving more from God that comes in direct relationship to how we handle and steward our worldly wealth. Isn't that an amazing thought? God really has something that he wants from us, and it's not our money. It's our heart. And today, to kick off the series, I, w- I want to look at this concept of less is more. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? Less, less is more. And, and you might be sitting there thinking, you know, that's not true, Pastor Chris. I went to the bank, and less is definitely less. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't give me a mortgage because I, I had less money in my account this month. They, they wanted to see more. I'm going to tell you that a biblical principle is actually that less is more. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning and dig into what it means. But uh, our relationship with money is is tangibly represented sometimes, not just by cash or how much we have in the bank, but also our stuff, because we, tr- we exchange our money for stuff, right? Everybody here has something, right? You're at least wearing the clothes on your back, which you probably had to pay money for. So as we go through this series, we may interchangeably be talking about stuff and money or our resources, but it all relates back to how we view it and how we view the blessings that God has given to us and what we've done with them. And uh, as we're starting to talk about less is more, I'm going to ask you if you've ever heard any of these lies that money tells us or that people tell us about money. Uh, the, The first lie I was thinking about is more is always better. Does anybody ever believe that? If, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. That, that is not true. That's actually a lie that money tells us or that we believe. Come on, if, if one is good, two is better. That's, that's something that people have told us about money or stuff or resources. If, if one car is good, two must be better, right? If, if one pair of shoes is good, what's, what's the answer there, ladies? How, 500? (laughs) Can I get 600? Can I get 800? If if one pair of shoes is good, 500 must be better. Come on, if if one Oreo is good, that whole pack must be better, right? Come on, this this is a lie that we've been trained to believe that more is better, and sometimes we need to get back to realizing that less is actually more in our lives. We've, We've been told a lie by society that what you need is what you don't have. How many of you have ever seen uh, what happens on social media and people begin to look at and they, they have this fear of missing out? How many of you have used that phrase? If you're, if you're trying to be young, hip, and trendy, you say FOMO, right? No. no. All the, all the other people. Are like, I see some people nodding at me and some people were like, huh? Fear of missing out. I don't have that. I must be lacking something in my life. I'm missing an experience because I don't have what I'm seeing them do. in. in Come on, old school, we used to call it keeping up with the Joneses. Yes, yes but, but the Joneses are sitting in the front row, so I try not to use that example all the time. So, so the younger generation, we've shifted from keeping up with the Joneses to now it is a fear of missing out. If I don't have that, I'm missing out on something in my life. And, and we've been trained to think what I really need is something that I don't have yet. And if I just had that, I'd be happy. We've we've been lied to and told that money will make us secure and significant and satisfied in our lives. And those things aren't true because less really is more. And I, I think, to some degree, I think social media is good, but to some degree, we need to remember that's not real. Okay, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all those things that you're seeing, that's not people's whole life. That's just the one moment in time that they want you to see and believe something about. But what you don't see in that picture of people on the cruise is the credit card bills that they got to have to pay it off. When, when they're showing you the picture of them in their new car, you don't know how much interest they're paying to be driving that. There are things going on behind the scenes that we don't see. And, and what social media has done, there's, there's been some good things to engage us with one another. But one of the bad things is it's gotten us into this trap of comparison, where we look at our lives and then we look at what everybody else posts on their accounts and we think, man, I'd just be happy if I had that. And comparison kills happiness and contentment. You can argue with me all day. I think God wants you to be happy. I think God wants you to be content. And one of the quickest ways to kill that is to begin to look around at everybody else and think, oh, well, if I just had that, I'd be happier. Come on, how many of you are old enough to remember? All I need is this phone, and I'll be happy. All I need is this phone and this book, and I'll be happy. All I need is is this phone and this book, and this lovely potted artificial plant, and I'll be happy. Come on, we could, we could do this all day, right? How many of you remember Steve Martin? How many of you would admit to watching Steve Martin carry that stuff around in the jerk? If, if, if I just had that, I'd be happy. And what happens is something else always gets added to the list. The list never ends. It goes on and on until you've got so much in your arms that you can't carry anymore and you don't have any room in your life and you begin to worry and stress about how can I add just one more thing into my life so that I'll be happy. And we need to, to start getting back to, you know what? Maybe Jesus is onto something. Maybe the gospel's onto something. Maybe less really is more in my life sometimes. So I want to explore that concept today by looking at a couple stories in, in Luke chapter 12. Um, Jesus was talking to the crowds, and somebody called out to him. In Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13, it says, Someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. He's, he's getting a lot of mileage out of stories about brothers needing to divide their father's estate, isn't he? The prodigal son was another one that he told. But he, he's telling this one, and the guy yells out, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. When Jesus turned around to him and said, "Who made me a judge over you in such things as that?" Such things as what? Making decisions about money, making decisions about our family interactions. I want to tell you when cuz I think Jesus is the judge of all the earth. The the Father has entrusted that to them, but yet Jesus turns around to this guy and says, "Who made me judge over those kind of things?" And here's here's what I take out of that. I think Jesus is saying, "I'm not a judge And I'm not going to tell you how to behave and what decisions you make. What Jesus is after is he's after our heart. And he wants to transform. That's what he's the judge over. He wants to transform our hearts. And in other words, he's saying, if I transform your heart, if you give me what's really important, you won't have to ask me about how should I decide that with my brother. You won't have to come to me and say, should I do this for him or not? Should I act this way or that way? Should I choose this or choose that? If he has our heart, those decisions will take care of themselves because he's after a relationship with us where he cultivates his character and nature in us to such a degree that we don't have to turn around and say, Jesus, should I be generous to my brother or not? We already know the answer because he's transformed our heart. And so Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm not the judge over such matters as that. And then he gets into the real teaching moment of the story. He says, beware of all kinds of greed. Greed will ruin your life. He says, be on guard against it. Come on, he's, this is not just a passive, oh, it would be nice if you weren't greedy. Jesus is saying, take an active role. Be on guard that you don't let greed take any foothold or get any root in your life. That's, amen, Pastor Chris. We're preaching about all those greedy people that are out there somewhere. Uh, Come on, greed, what is greed? Greed is is simply, what was that other movie? The guy gets up and gives a speech about greed is good. I don't don't remember that one. Uh, Greed is not good. Jesus says, keep on guard that it doesn't get in your life. And what greed is, is greed is a selfish desire for more than what is necessary. I I thought the dictionary was profound on that one. Greed is a selfish desire. Number one is right here. I'm being selfish about it. And the desire is for more than what I need. I'm going to gather as much as I I can and I'm going to hoard it for myself. And Jesus says that's not the right kind of behavior. Be on your guard against greed. And I think some signs that greed has taken hold in our life, am I never satisfied with anything that I have? If, if I'm never satisfied with anything, I need to go back and check myself. Maybe greed has taken a little root in my life. If, I, if I'm too worried about keeping what I have and that everybody else is out to get my stuff, come on, that's a sign that maybe greed has taken a root in our lives. If, if I'm suspicious about your motives, what, why is Mike talking to me? He must want something I have. <laughs> Come on, these are signs that greed may have taken root in my life. If I begin using and manipulating people to get more and to get something I want, maybe I've let greed take a root in my life. And I need to be on guard against it. And Jesus gives us a remedy for it. He, he says, remember that he came to give life. And he's, he's talking, I don't think he's just talking about you breathing oxygen in and the natural life that's going on. I think Jesus is telling them, life, the abundant life that I came to give, the eternal life that you get to partake in, it doesn't consist in how much stuff you have. He's telling them life is not all about possessions. And especially the life that he offers to us, that eternal abundant life, it doesn't have a thing to do with how much stuff we have sometimes less is more. And we need to get back to keeping our priorities priorities straight and remembering that our relationship with him is more important than anything I could ever accumulate. And Jesus, he continues to drive that point home in the next story. If we continue reading down through Luke chapter 12 there, and he's reminding them life's not about the stuff you own. In verse 16, Jesus then gave them this illustration. Come on, this was important enough to Jesus that he gave them more than one story. He keeps going on about the same point. He gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. In fact, it filled his barns to overflowing we would stop there and have a party and say, praise God, thank you for your blessings. And It filled his barns to overflowing. And he thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? What is the logical question to that? That's, what's the answer to that question? What should I do now that everything is full and I got nowhere else to put it? The, if you were living in in this century in America, the answer to that question is, I'm going to build a self-storage unit and have a space to store my extra stuff that I can't keep in my house or my garage because I've got so much. Come on. I don't know if you know this or not, but self-storage units is one of the fastest growing industries in America. It is a 2 billion, with a B, not million like we talked about earlier, It is a two billion dollar a year industry just to build spaces and rent them out to store the stuff that we don't have room for in our homes. I think that's where this guy was. What should I do with all my stuff? It never entered his mind. Maybe I could give it away to some other people. Maybe I could share. Maybe I could look for those in need. His only thought, his first thought was, where could I store more for myself? Ouch. And I'm not, if you, don't, please don't feel guilty and go home crying if you, if you have a self-storage unit rented. Like, we forgive you. You, <laughs> you know what God wants to do in your heart. So that's, I'll leave it there. But he says, what should I do now that I have nowhere else to store it? So verse 18, he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all of my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. If I just had one big barn, that's all I'd need. I'll be happy. How many of you know, that's not the right answer to the question he had just asked. That wasn't the answer Jesus was looking for. That wasn't the answer that we should be cultivating in our lives. And God said to him, What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. I love the way that translation put that. Messengers of death would be a cool name for a heavy metal band, I think. (laughs) He says, this very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? This is what will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. Ouch, Jesus, did you really just say that to that guy? Did you tell that story to this crowd that this is what's going to happen if you don't make God your number one priority? And what did, what did he mean by that? First, first thing I think I need to clarify is... Not all rich people are evil. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get some amens from this side too. I'll be right back. Not all rich people are evil because I really think that is a lie that has taken root in some sections of our country. Rich people, oh, they're successful. They must be evil. What did they do to get ahead? Not all rich people are evil. I think rich people do have a harder time keeping their priorities in line. It's very hard for a rich man to be saved, Jesus said elsewhere in the gospel. I think we really need to be on our guard against all kinds of greed, and that happens. The, the more blessings we see, the richer we get sometimes, the more we have to be on guard against those attitudes and letting greed come in our lives. Not all rich people are bad, but not being generous and trusting in your own wealth more than God will rob the life that he wants to give you from you. I, I think, you know, we, you could argue, is Jesus saying, oh, that guy's going to literally die, or is he just going to be robbed of the things that really matter in life? Which, which I think is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the abundant life that he gives us. When we begin to be greedy and we trust in our wealth more than we trust in God, and we make money the priority and the object, and we're greedy, life gets robbed from us. The messengers of death come to steal our life from us. And we have to be on guard against those things. How, mu- how much is too much? Anybody ever ask themselves that question? You're, you're looking around, oh, should, maybe we should tax 90% of people that make more than $2 million. Maybe we'll just pull a number out of that. How much is too much to have in your bank account? How much is too much to make? We all have a pretty good idea of how much is too little to make. It's what we're making right now, I think, if we went around the room. How much is too much? I'll tell you, the answer that I think is too much is any amount that keeps you from trusting in God and makes you trust in it instead. And for some people, that could be getting somebody walking up and handing you a $50 bill. Some other people might think, $50 bills? Oh, I blow my nose with those. I don't know where you are on the spectrum of how much is in the bank, but I don't think any amount by and of itself, is bad. What's bad is what happens in our heart. And if if whatever, it could be a small amount, but if it causes your heart to turn away from God and begin to trust in your wealth, then it's a bad amount. And we need to ask God to help us get our priorities back in line. So I think uh, God calls him a fool in this story. He thought that the stuff he had acquired, he got through his own strength, and he wasn't thankful to God for blessing him with it. And that caused him to be a fool in this story he had absolutely no thought of sharing. And so Jesus continues to make the same point he made in the story right before us. True life comes from our relationship with God, not in the amount of possessions that we have. That's what he's after. He's after our heart. And in this, in the guy in this story that had the barns that were so full in his life, more actually ended up being less for him the more he accumulated the less life the less joy the less contentment he actually had in his life and jesus is saying hey we need to get back to the opposite there really is something about less being more in our lives i think maybe a good way to think of that is less of what we don't need and what really doesn't matter and more of what does matter in our lives more of his presence and more of his love for others more generosity i don't know where what he wants to do in our lives or where you fall in that spectrum but Less really is more sometimes. One, one more verse this morning to show that less is more, and then I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with this, a little challenge for January. Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Better one handful. Everybody hold up one hand. We got one handful. Better one handful. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. That verse is essentially saying less is more better to have one handful and have tranquility. And less really is more because it means less stress, less arguments, less worrying about my money, more time to spend with my family, more time to have priorities that really are in line with what's important to me. Come on, those are the things that make less more. And I I love the thought, maybe the picture of this verse, that if you've got one hand with your stuff and you've got tranquility with it, you've got the other hand to reach out and help other people. To lift them up out of where they are, to give something away to them. I, I just love that picture of saying, hey, I've, I've got one hand busy. Yeah, I've got one hand, I've got some stuff, and I'm peaceful about it. But I've got another hand that's open to the people around me. And God says, less is more. Better is one handful with tranquility than two hands uh, with toil and chasing after the wind. So here is our challenge during this series. Our first challenge is to simplify our lives. I'm going to call this the, the great 2019 giveaway. We'll talk about that in a second. We, we want to make sure, when I say simplify, we want to make sure that we're spending our resources and using our stuff on the things that are important to us. If we went around the room and said, hey, what's, what's the most important three things in your life? We probably, almost everybody in this room, probably because we're in church on a Sunday morning, almost everybody in this room would say some version of, oh, God, my family, my kids, my work after that. Those, those are more important than work. We would all say something like that. If we would all say something like that, then we need to look and say, am I using my resources and my money and my time to go to the things that I really say are important? And I think that's part of what simplifying does, is it gets us on the same page and makes sure we're doing what's important in our lives. You can call it decluttering. You can call it right-sizing. You can call it streamlining. I don't care what, what you want to call it. It's simplifying. In fact, uh, Pam and I, we used the word right-size. We actually right-sized our lives this past year. We moved from one house to another after Silas graduated. And we we didn't really want to call it downsizing. We called it right-sizing. And it really was simplifying and streamlining our lives and freeing up some of our resources to do other things that we wanted to do. It's okay to do that. More is not always better. Sometimes less is more. And uh, what we're going to be asking for is we're asking God, as I embrace less and simplifying my life, I want to receive your more that you have for me. So what is the challenge? This is the action item I'd like you to do. During the month of January, during this series, I would like each one of us to give away 10 things. We can, we can count them on our hands if you need to, if you give away 10 things. And I don't care how, how you come up with this. You may want to start today before you even leave. Maybe you want to give something to somebody if you've got keys for a nicer vehicle than mine in the parking lot, I'll be a receiver. I'm, I'm just kidding about that. Please don't come give me your cars. I don't, I don't need them. I don't want the hassle. Um, but I would appreciate the gesture and, and, yeah, it would prove that you were generous, whatever. Um, you can start today. You may have something to give away or you may want to go home and make a list. Like you may want to sit down, if you're married especially, you may want to sit down with your spouse and say, hey, what are 10 things that we could give away in January to, to see less is more and to em- embrace simplifying our lives? Uh, you could, if, if you're very daring, maybe you want to ask the person next to you to make the list for you before you leave today. No, nobody, nobody's down with that idea. I don't, I don't care what it looks like. I, I, what I do think is, I don't think it's just a matter of, hey, I had 10 $1 bills, and I gave them away in January. I'm not quite sure that, that's, that that may be complying with the letter of the law, but I don't think that's the spirit of what God's asking us to do this month. So I don't care what it is. It, it may be something that's causing you stress or worry in your life. It may be something that you just, oh, man, we'd really love to bless somebody with this or give this away. Let's, let's take up this challenge to simplify and give 10 things away this month. And if you are willing to share, I'd like to hear about what we give away this month. If you want to send me a note at the church or or an email or or call me and let me know, whatever you've decided, because I'd like to be excited with you and be happy and, and rejoice that, man, God wants to do something in our lives because we're willing to simplify, let things go, and bless other people and just let him move in our lives, to let his more flow in us by having less stuff to worry and hoard and be concerned about. Does that sound like a challenge anybody else could be willing to do with me? All right, yeah, like, yeah, three people raise their hands. I, I'm, a couple other people are like, ah, I'm going to raise my hand so you see me, Pastor Chris, but I'm not going to let everybody else know I'm doing this. Yeah, and, Andrew is raising Jake's hand for him. <laughs> You're going to do this, Jake. Yeah. Uh-huh. i All I know is I feel like that's something God's speaking regarding our finances is to simplify, to let less be more, and to see some of that worry and that stress about our stuff get out of our lives and see what a blessing it is to love others. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand in this place, and we're going to pray together before we go. And if if you don't want to do this challenge, that's okay. This is not, uh, New Life Fellowship is not a dictatorship. I'm not going to send the, uh, the giving police to your house to make sure that you've complied with what we've asked you to do this month. I just think this is something that's going to bless us and that we're going to see God move in our lives as, as we keep him first place and fill our lives with God. I love how that story said that. We're going to fill our lives with God. Uh, if you're in this place this morning, and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of those stories in the Bible you're reading, you're like, wow, he sounds like a pretty good guy. I'd like to know more. Uh, I'd love to pray with you and introduce you to him this morning. And, and uh, if you want to come up afterwards, you could talk to me and we'll do that. But otherwise, I want to pray for everybody else and just bless us before we go today. Father, we thank you for the generosity that we see from you in our lives, that you loved us so much that you gave. You gave your only son for us. Lord, let us be generous people the same way that you are. God, I I ask during this month of January that as as we choose to declutter our lives and to give some things away, uh, Lord, let us tangibly experience the benefit of less being more in our lives. I thank you right now that, uh, God, I just declare that supernaturally as people give things away, the the worry and the stress is going to lift off of their lives. Lord, that the blessings of generosity are going to overtake them. Uh, Lord, that they're they're going to be so blessed by giving that they look around for, who else could I give more to? I don't want to stop at just 10. Lord, we respond to you right now in our hearts to say, yes, we want to fill our lives with you. And we want to get the things out of our lives that don't belong there. God, help us to be on our guard against greed. Help us to be generous people that we could be a witness for you. We just say that we love you, we honor you, God, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let your goodness and mercy be seen in our lives so that all the people that we encounter will know that you are Lord, that Jesus, you are alive and you are loving people. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon. I appreciate you. Be safe in the snow out there.